One of the biggest questions people have when they want to make a change in their life is this. Where do you start? Where do you start? If you, for instance, want to take control of your finances and get out of debt, you might ask, where do I start? Many people don't make the change that they want to make in their lives because they simply don't know where to start. As far as your finances are concerned, there are some great plans out there. Dave Ramsey has one of the great plans, and there is a starting point. If you want to get out of debt, Dave says, you got to start with the debt snowball, right? That's the place to start. Not knowing where to start is, can be paralyzing for people. It keeps people trapped in places they don't want to be. It keeps people locked in bondage in all kinds of different ways. Now, we're, we're in church this morning, amen? And one of the questions people have concerning God and, their li- and figure, sorting their lives out spiritually is this question, where do I start? Where do I start with my spiritual life? Where do I start in sorting things out spiritually? Well, it's quite simple. You start at the beginning. Amen? You start at the beginning. Today we're going to take a look at the first set of verses in the Gospel of Mark and look at the beginning, the beginning of the Gospel. Question, do you have some glaring issue in your life that you know that you need to deal with and you're wondering, where do I start? How do I deal with this? Maybe it's something that's going on with relationships or uh, some other thing, or maybe it is your life spiritually. You do feel not connected, far from God, or whatever. We want to start this morning with the beginning, the, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you're taking notes this morning, we're going to take a look at our text. Start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Let's look at Mark chapter 1 and verse 1. It says this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Every great story has a beginning, and the story of Christ and his gospel has a beginning as well. Your story with Jesus has a beginning as well, and it begins with the person of Jesus Christ. We don't come in to sort our lives out spiritually, really looking at a philosophy as much as, uh, and even, even like words. We come to a person, amen? We come to the person of Jesus Christ who can literally sort our lives out from top to bottom, amen? And so Mark says here, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what is the gospel? Just let's define that. The, the, the ancient Greeks uh, had, a, had this word for gospel, and it means simply this, good news, good news. And how many could use some good news? Amen? Could, oh, we could always use some good news. You can always 
use some good news. You got coronavirus out there. You've got all this stuff. We need some good news. And where better to find some good news than at South Coast Church on a Sunday morning? Amen. And we've come to the beginning, the beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel, this gospel of Mark is attributed to Mark, but some scholars actually believe that it is also, the source material is actually attributed to the apostle Peter. So some have actually uh, considered this or even called this the God, uh, Peter's gospel. And one of the things that you know about Peter, if you look into the life of Peter, is you know that this guy uh, had some issues, amen? You know, he was always the first one to talk, you know, and it got him into a lot of trouble a lot of times, amen? He even said something to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> and, 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 and he got himself into a lot of trouble. He knew what it was to fail. He, he knew what it was to be out there on the on the Sea of Galilee all night long and catch nothing. So he knew kind of how to fail at business. He knew how to get in touch with it, uh, get in trouble with his mouth. He knew even how to fail in his walk with Christ, right? Because we find out at the end of the gospel that he's the one that denies three times that he even knows Jesus, right? And so we're looking at this guy and this guy knows a little bit about failure. Well, Anybody out there know anything about failure? I know a little bit about failure. Everybody knows a little bit about failure. And because we have failed, because we've fallen short of the glory, there's no better place to start than coming to the gospel of Christ in our lives, amen? There's no better place to come to the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're gonna do tonight, or this morning. There's the first slip. There's the first slip. So somebody get a tote board. Somebody go ahead. Ellie, go ahead and put it up on the screen. One. The gospel begins and ends with the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. And so the gospel begins and ends with the person of Jesus Christ. And if you're looking for a plan for your life, if you're looking for a way out, or through the present circumstances of your life, start here. Start no, no other place than face-to-face -face with the person of Jesus Christ. Now, where do you go next? Well, next, the next step is you got the way has to be prepared. The way has to be prepared. So let's look at, pick it up, verse 2. As it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and honey, wild honey. And, and he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. 
I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So prepare the way. The way needs to be prepared. In order for you to start with Jesus, a way for him must be prepared. Amen? A path must be cleared. Our lives are filled up with all kinds of things. All kinds of things. Some good, some bad, some indifferent. And if we'll be honest, a lot of the stuff gets in the way of our relationship with God. I mean, if we're being truly honest with ourselves, there's a lot of stuff in life that gets in the way of our relationship with God. So, and, and that's true of every single person, okay? And so the principle is this, a way has to be prepared into the center of your life. Things have got to be cleared out. And so God modeled this for us by sending a forerunner out in front of Jesus to clear the way for Christ's earthly ministry. He sent a forerunner. He sent someone that, that went out in front, you know, I don't, you know, kind of like a bulldozer, you know, like a bulldozer. We're going we're gonna to come in here because he was kind of like a bulldozer, right? I mean, we read it in the text there. He's out there, you know, he's got camel hair and he's wild. And he's a wild and crazy guy. He's eating locusts and wild honey. And, and, and he's just, you know, he's just preaching and, and telling people they need to repent, right? They need to repent. You need to come to the waters of baptism, God wants to do something in your life. You need, to, you need to clear some stuff out of your life. And the way to do that is with repentance. Mark here in verses two and three quotes from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. He says, and I'll throw it on the screen there, Mark one, verse two. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Someone that's gonna go out and prepare the way in front of Christ so that there's a straight path that Jesus can come straight into the lives of people, amen? And he goes on, there's gonna be a voice of one crying in the wilderness, who's that? John the Baptist, he says that he's the voice crying in the wilderness, here he is out in the wilderness with camel hair, you know, I don't know, was it, you know, this wasn't designer camel hair, this was just a raggedy, ragtag camel hair thing with a belt and he's out there gnawing on Locusts and stuff, you know? But he's a prophet, and Jesus called him the, the greatest man who ever lived, right? Because he had that privilege of going out in front of Christ and preparing the way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Make his paths straight. Make a straight way. Make a straight path. So John called the Baptist, came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance. A repentance. This is a, this is a, a message this morning about repentance. Amen? This is, I've read all the blogs, I've heard all the pastor's stuff, talks behind the circles that are going around in the 2020, okay? I know what's what. And one of the things that is being said is that there's not a message of repentance being spoken of in the church. It's an easy gospel. It's a come and God's gonna do for you, but God's gonna do for you by starting at the first place. 
God, God does have a plan for you and God does want to do an amazing thing in your life, but you got to start at the beginning. You got to start where there's a prepared way. You got to start in that place where there's a prepared path. And that means allowing God to sort things out allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and, and begin to speak and say, look, this thing, this over here's gotta go and this has gotta go over here because God wants a straight path, amen? amen? Repentance is the clearing of the way. Repentance is the clearing of the way. Repentance involves facing the truth about ourselves and our lives. A lot of people can't get out of debt financially because they have no idea. Some people don't have any idea how much debt they're in. That's actually one of the things that Dave says. Ramsey, you gotta know what's what. You gotta open up the bank statement, go, ah, you know. Look at the credit card statement, ah. Hey, that's okay. You can be terrified for a second, but look at it, face it. And let's start dealing with it. And that's exactly what God wants to do in our spiritual lives. He wants us to be honest with, with him so that he can begin to work on stuff so that he can begin to do an incredible work. Financial experts have stated that one, if not the biggest problem with getting people on the road to bettering their financial situation is getting them to acknowledge the reality of their situation. Some people don't know how bad the situation is. Some people don't know. They just don't want to face it. So they ignore it and try to cover it up by going out and getting some more stuff. <laughs> I remember, I don't know why, I saw this clip of Oprah. This, Oprah was dealing with somebody and she, had a, she was a shopaholic, right? And they went into, Oprah shows up with the cameras in her house and they go into the house and the closet is full of brand new clothes with the tags on it. It's like, honey, listen, <laughs> you got a problem. You got a problem. We got to deal with this problem, right? That's what God wants to do. It's the same for our spiritual situation. But some people this morning don't know how bad the situation is. They've covered it over. They've glossed it over. Everything's fine. You know, for now the bills are paid. Everything seems to be going all right. But spiritually, what's going on? Take an inventory of what's going on in our lives. Some people try to cover over the reality by attempting to do things that make them feel better about it. And there's really no list of things that you can go out there and begin to do that are gonna make you feel better about your spiritual condition, the spiritual situation in your heart. You know, giving an extra dollar at Lowe's to the Arboretum Foundation or whatever <laughs> is not gonna ultimately make you feel, giving an extra dollar at Panda Express, I, you know, so they can tell everybody how much they gave, right? <laughs> Don't get me started on that. We gave. No, 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 no. Your customers gave. You see this in our day and age with what's called virtue signaling. Virtue signaling. Kind of, hey, let's do this and throw it on Instagram. Throw it on Facebook. Throw it on Snapchat. 
What did I just say? <laughs> Snapchat. Throw it on Snapchat. And for any young people, throw it on TikTok. Right? I made it, I made it to TikTok. I had a customer come into the shop. They said, look, I'm going to buy this. Give me a good deal, and we'll throw this on TikTok. Okay? And so I made it into the world of TikTok. It's a, <laughs> it's a crazy world in TikTok. I, 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 I probably I don't recommend it. Um, but virtue signaling. Virtue signaling is no substitute for actual atonement. Amen? You need the atoning work of Christ in your life. You need God. You need a straight way made into the center of your life and for Jesus Christ himself to come and be your high priest and administer the atoning work in your life so that he can begin to make you and fashion you into the person that he wants to do in your life. Amen? So there's all this stuff that needs to be cleared out of our lives to make a way for Jesus to come in. And all of these lies and self-deceits and attempts that fail because they are helpless have to be cleared out. Even, even that gymnastics kind of has to be cleared out. It's kind of like you're out there trying to do, trying to do, and Jesus wants to tap you on the shoulder. No, just put it down. I got it covered. I got, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm going to come in here and do a work in your life. I'm going to do an amazing work in your life. When I was in college one summer, I got a job working for a land surveying company. I used to say surveying, and people thought I was, had a job. You know, remember, remember when you'd go to the mall and you'd have the person at the door with the little clipboard, and they'd say, can I give you a survey, and here's some crackers or something, take you into some back room, remember that? I never did understand all that, but uh, I think it's still going on um, in, in certain places. They'll take you in a back room and show you like TV shows and pilots of shows or whatever so you can vote on, uh, you know, if it's a good, if it should make it to the main TV, right? And um, so anyways, I wasn't doing that kind of surveying. I was doing land surveying. What's land surveying? Land surveying is, is, is something done with expensive digital equipment that shoots lasers at reflectors to determine the distances between two points within a fraction of a centimeter. The job that I remember most when I worked for them was when we did a 500-acre boundary survey in a place called Frederick, Maryland. 500 acres is a little chunk of land. You have any idea how big of a little chunk of, I mean, 500 acres is a big land. And so this piece of land, 500 acres, it had some open fields and it had some forest. And so when we went in and set up the traverse, the traverse is just like, you know, the point, right? So you're going to measure the distance between a point well, in order to measure that distance and have that laser shoot the distance, you had to kind of prepare a way. <laughs> you had to prepare a way, and you had to hack back some of those low-hanging leaves and low-hanging branches because there had to be a way prepared for the light of that laser to go through and hit that reflector. And so it was a wild summer of 
I was like Indiana Jones with a machete, you know, literally. No, I kid you not. We literally had machetes and stuff, and it was, it was fun until I got poison ivy, which is bad. You don't want poison ivy. And I, for whatever reason, when I get a little poison ivy, I get poison ivy bad. And um, anyways, I got a shot for my poison ivy, and I was back at work. So God wants to prepare the way. God wants to bring the light of his spirit into your life. He wants to bring the light of his love, of his grace, of, of the light of his work, of what he wants to do in the center of our lives. And so there's got to be a way prepared. John the Baptist came preaching, opening up the way for Jesus. He preached repentance. He preached repentance. And people began to respond. Because I think people deep down know that they need what only God can supply. Amen? They know that they need, we need, what Jesus has for us. Today, Jesus sends his Holy Spirit into the world. And the Spirit comes alongside of people. And he sends his preachers out into the world. And this work of the Spirit that's done through the work of the ministry of the preaching of the Word and, 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 and the, the, the Word of God is a work of the Spirit, right? So you got the Holy Spirit, you got the Word of God, which is Spirit and life. And it's coming alongside of people and wanting to kind of tap you on the shoulder, tap you on the, knock on the hard stories like Jesus in Revelation, saying, let me in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, I will come in. And opens the door. I will come in and dine with him and he with me, right? So the way has to be cleared out. Here's the question. Is the way to your heart clear? Is the way to your heart clear? Or is there too much stuff in the way? Too many excuses, too many failed attempts, attempts to do it on your own, too many bright ideas, and all of it has been keeping you from finding the starting place with Jesus. It might even just be like a fog, a fog of indecision, a fog of confusion, kind of like San Francisco. You ever been to San Francisco? Raise your hand. It's sunny, and there's the Golden Gate Bridge. 20 minutes later, you look back, where's the bridge? It's gone. A, a fog rolls in that's so thick that you can't see 10 feet. I've been out there. You can't see 10 feet behind somebody. You're like, man, is this the glory cloud, or what is this, Jesus? No, this is the San Francisco fog, fog city, right? Sometimes we just go through life in a fog. God doesn't want it like that. God wants to clear that out. Amen? God wants to clear that out. You may be dealing with something in your life brought on by a bad decision, bad behavior, mismanagement. I want to invite you like John the Baptist. Repent, repent, 
and let the king of glory come into the center of your life, right? What's the repentance about? Repentance is not repentance for repentance sake. Repentance is to prepare the way for the king of glory to come in to your life and to do an amazing work, amen? He will come in and he will do an amazing work in your life if you let him. Day by day, moment by moment, every second of every day, God is working. Paul told the Philippian church, he said, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion, amen? God has started a work and sometimes we've got to just let the king of glory do his work. Let the king of glory come in. Let Jesus come in. And he'll do an amazing job. An amazing renovation. Like Chip and Joanna. Like the property brothers. But like, I mean, as amazing as some of that stuff that they do. And some of that like, you know, hey, we got the... Had to go under the porch. It's going to cost you another $3,000 because the sewer line that they put in this place was too small. So we got to put in some type of a poop grinder <laughs> and deal with this situation. I never knew there was a thing called a poop grinder <laughs> until I, I saw that show. Did anyone know what that? I'm, I'm serious. You guys are wondering. You thought I just made it up. I kid you not, I haven't made this up. But he's going to do an amazing job. I always sit at, now there was a time, I remember, I remember what happened to me. I remember I got sick. I don't get sick that much. But when I get sick, I'm kind of a baby about it. I just kind of milk it. And, and you know, I'm going down, it's, you know, um, going down for a couple of days. You know, and let's do this. And, um, and so I remember this happened to me, and I somehow I was flipping through the channels, and it showed up on Chip and Joanna, and I just was binge-watching Fixer Upper. And one of the things that when you watch that show, you get to the end of it when they do the reveal, when they have the big thing, and they go, you guys ready to see <laughs> You guys ready to see your fixer-upper? Yeah, yeah. And then they take you into all the rooms and show you the kitchen, and they show you the bathrooms and the shower, like some of these showers. Can you imagine? Like, I want one of those showers with a place to sit, you know? What are you doing that where you're sitting? Just what? You got to take a, you know, it's such a long shower, you need a rest? <clears throat> But you always look at the, the reveal, and you're always like, man, they got to hold on to that thing, right? You're like, man, don't ever sell that. Don't ever, you got to, man, they, these people hit a home run, a grand slam. These people would have never had this situation. You know, J Chip always says, look, this wasn't in the budget, but we just wanted to make this special for your forever home. And we just made you this... gazebo with a 15-foot picnic table and a grill so that you can just go nuts. 
right? Whatever Chip and Joanna can do, Jesus is going to come and he's going to do an amazing job in your life if you'll let him. And, and, and you know, when, when it comes to demo day, repentance is kind of like demo day. It's like, we got to get this crap out of here. This olive green refrigerator and whether, you know, whoever came up with that. And this linoleum, what is this, 1976? We've got to, you know, get rid of this. And, and the Lord wants to come in and he wants to clear, clear away. He wants to clear away. And he will give you, and this is what Isaiah says, here's the trade. Here's the trade. Here's the offer. Isaiah 61, verse 3, I'll throw it on the screen. Beauty for ashes. Blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. That's a deal that I'll take. Deal or no deal? Deal! I'll take it every time. Beauty for ashes. We give him all of our failure and our failed attempts, and he gives us a life in him that is unsurpassed. Amen? So, John, are you, are you overwhelmed? Anybody here? No, no show of hands. Are you overwhelmed? Are you in despair? Have you had all you could take? Then here's the message. Let the king of glory come in. Let Jesus come in. Turn and face Jesus. Repentance is turning. Turning, you're over there trying to pick up the ashes of your life and Jesus is behind you. You gotta turn and face him. Give up that and take what he has. Receive what he has to give you, amen? So John preached and people came and they were baptized under repentance. Now John was a prophet. He was out there being a prophet and he said as he's preaching his message of repentance, he says, look, there's, there's coming one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes, to say it in today's kind of language. I, need, I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The last place in this start with Jesus is this. Once the way has been prepared, you've got to just simply obey the gospel. Obey the gospel. Let's pick it up, verse nine. It says this. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately... Coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The last step of the start. The last step of this beginning with Jesus is to simply obey the gospel. Mark 1, verse 9 says this. Throw it up on the screen for us. Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee 
and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Look at that verse. Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, if you're paying attention and you're looking at this and you're saying, now, wait a second right there, stop, time out. Why is Jesus being baptized? Jesus was perfect. He didn't have anything that needed to be cleared out in his life. He, needed, he didn't need the message of repentance. He didn't need any of that. He was perfect. He knew no sin, right? The Bible tells us. Pilate said twice, I find no fault in him. Right? Why is Jesus being baptized? He never sinned. John even knew this. We learned from Matthew's account in Matthew's gospel, chapter three, verse 13. We'll have that up on the screen for you. Then Jesus came from Galilee. This is the same verse, but in Matthew. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me? John's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, this can't happen. I need to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to be baptized by me? And Jesus, wanting to fulfill all things, wanting to model all things for us perfectly, wanting to, to be that model, he was baptized. Jesus was not baptized because he needed cleansing from sin. He was sinless, as John himself understood. Jesus was baptized in keeping with his entire mission on earth to do the will of the Father and to identify with sinful man. Back in 1990, the band Sticks, remember them? The lead vocalist, Dennis DeYoung, he wrote a song called Show Me the Way. Not Show Me the Money. That was Jerry Maguire. Show Me the Way. Show Me the Way, right? And that is exactly what Jesus did. When he came to John, he didn't need to be baptized, but he was showing us the way. He said, you know what? I'm going to be baptized. We're going to fulfill all things. And so Jesus is baptized by John. Later in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus would say, I am the way. Now, so no, not only did he show us the way, he is the way, right? He showed us the way, he is the way. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, we'll throw it up on the screen. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What's that? Well, this is an admonition by the writer of Hebrews for us in our lives to look to Jesus in our lives. And in order to look to Jesus, we've got to have a clear path to look through him without any junk, without any fog, without anything distracting us. We've got to look to Jesus. And if we'll look to Jesus, we're going to see, we're going to see one thing. We're going to see a person who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He authored it and he perfected it. He finished it. To, to, to bring something to perfection in the, in the biblical language, 
language is to bring something to completion. He showed up on the scene. He had no need for baptism, but he said, I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to perfect. I'm going to finish this faith. I'm going to, I'm going to win the battle for you, and I'm also going to show you how to do this thing from top to bottom. And from that moment forward, he lived his life as an example for you and I. Because we don't know, you don't know anything about Jesus you see him in, the, in, the, in, the, in Bethlehem. You see him when he's 12 years old, when they come up and Jesus stays behind and Mary and Joseph don't know where Jesus is, right? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? They got half, two, three days out of town. How do, how do you misplace Jesus, amen? He's 12 years old and, you, you know, he's gone. And there's no, like, internets or anything like that so that you can put out an APB Where's Jesus? You know, get the, where's, yeah, silver alert, Jesus alert, you know? No silver alert. We need a Jesus alert. Where's Jesus? They get all the way back and Jesus says, hey, didn't you know? I would be here doing my father's business, right? We don't see anything from Jesus from that moment until he shows up to be baptized, right? And from that moment forward, he shows us exactly how to live our lives, Amen from baptism, the place of repentance and starting, to living and trusting, submitting to the will of the Father, going to the cross, going to death, and being resurrected, amen? That's what we're gonna do as we walk with the Lord Jesus Christ in our life, amen? And what happens, something amazing happens when Jesus comes up out of the water. It says immediately. Immediately. That word is a word that through the Gospel of Mark recurs over and over and over again because the Gospel of Mark is like the good news. It's like the Reader Digest version compared to, to John and Matthew and Luke and these verbose, long, you know, praise God, I love the Gospel of John. It's my favorite Gospel, amen? But Mark is like, hey, can we get the Cliff's Notes? Immediately, he came up out of the water and the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And there was a voice that said, you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, Amen. And so what happens to us as we come through the, the path of repentance, the waters of baptism, the confession of faith, that God sends his spirit down upon us. Amen? Paul put it this way in Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. You'll see it on the screen. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So the spirit, Christian, has come to you. And it's by his spirit that we're able to cry out as a true son, Abba, Father. Simply, Daddy, Daddy. Daddy, Daddy. So this is the start. This is the beginning of the gospel. Making a straight way for the person of Jesus to make his entrance into our lives as we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we receive him and his grace and his love and all the benefits of his atonement, we need his gospel 
to be the story of our lives. We begin with the person of Christ, the beginning of the gospel. From the moment we give our lives to Christ till we lay our head down and breathe our last, we need the story of the gospel to be our story every day of our lives. Amen? In every area of our lives. You say, well, maybe there's a... I've let the gospel be the story of my life in, in these areas of my life. God wants the gospel to be the story of your life across the totality of all of who you are. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen? There's a song, and I close with this. There's a song by Hillsong, and I think it's Hillsong United to be very specific, and it's a song called Wonder. You know the song? And I just want to read the lyrics here, and this is way down, it's a stanza about three-fourths of the way down in the song. And I wanna, I'm going to put it up on the screen here, but I think it's, the, it's, you talk about letting the story of the gospel be the story of our lives. It says this, I see the world in grace, I see the world in gospel. I see the world your way, and I'm walking in the light. I'm walking in the wonder. You're the wonder in the wild, turning the wilderness to wonder. Amen? Isn't that what Jesus does? He comes into our wilderness and turns it into a, to a home. Amen? He turns us into the temple of the Holy Spirit. He turns us into the place of his dwelling. I see the world in grace. I see the world in gospel. Amen? So let the gospel be your story. Let the gospel be your story every moment, every day of your life. It starts with Jesus. It carries through with Jesus. And it ends with Jesus.